0: TNBR Draft Pod presented by the King of all sportsbooks of sports betting of Drafts Draft King. Um, they are the presenting sponsor. I am with the man, the myth, the legend, J. Mike himself, Justin. Um, I have talked about you in this regard on bets. I've talked about you, in, I think even on the tailgate. I saw you yesterday. We didn't I didn't touch on this. We talked off air. I didn't touch on this. But you last week had the week of all weeks. You saw exactly what was going to happen. You had a you had like your sharp week. And this is, you know, reminiscent of 3 4 years ago you getting me in on that four-leg parlay of everyone making the playoffs. And I mean, dude, it's the uh, it's it's both sad and a very proud moment because, in one sense, the dark side has taken full control of you. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the Adagio era or uh, what's going on, but the dark side's taken full control, and that is the sad part. But the the proud part is like you were you were on it. You saw this from a mile away.
1: I'm just like that guy that's in the eye of the hurricane standing at the edge of the dock, just kind of staring it down and I should be getting blown back, but I'm so used to it at this point. I'm just like, let it rain, bring the pain. I don't care. But yeah, it was, it was a nice weekend for me. As far as the predictions go. Um, I did have, I did have Alabama sneaking into the playoff and not, uh tcu but i'm glad that tcu ended up sticking in just because they deserve to and we'll kind of get into that after some of those games but yeah it was it was kind of a predictable weekend but also a really fun one and it was a nice opportunity to get that bankroll back up after what had been kind of a really chaotic college football season so really for the first time this fall i felt like all right i'm having fun betting today
0: there you go. I love that. I, it felt like it'd been a minute since we got to like conference championship week and had these level of upsets. Um, I mean, honestly, we maybe should start from TCU because you talked about that one already, but we might as well go in chronological order here. I think what made it feel really crazy was that right off the bat, we haven't even hit Saturday, and we already know there's one spot open with USC losing for the second time to Utah. It was an all-time um, football Twitter night where everyone in the first quarter is jumping over themselves with hot takes. We're always like trying to be the first to have that take, um, and it really forces these rush to judgment moments because after the first quarter, Utah figured everything out, and it was a completely different game.
1: Kind of reminiscent to the last time these these two played. You know, USC jumps out to the early lead. It looks like they're going to get rolling. You know, Caleb Williams is obviously a special talent. Maybe he can still win the Heisman even after yeah. this. We'll talk about that later too. But right. this Utah team, it's what they're built to do. is to just play spoilers. They're tougher than everybody else in the Pac-12. At least they have been pretty consistently these last couple years. And they play Smash Mouth. Like, it's a bit of a cliche. Yeah. But, like, they successfully do what, you know, Steve Adazio was kind of trying to sell to Fort Collins. Like, we're going to be this team. We're going to play bully ball. You know, we're going to get tougher as the game goes on, as the season goes on. Time after time, they do it. And, I mean, we talked about this USC defense, right? They have major flaws. Yes, they create turnovers. But, I mean, they they give up yardage. Like, it's their job. Like, you could drive a truck through some of those holes that those Utah backs were going through. It was just a it was a perfect storm. USC dropped the ball. I do want to ask you th- this: um, had it not been a total blowout, like had Utah not just completely pummeled them in that second half, and they lose a TCU type game, is USC in the playoff over Ohio State even with two losses? I don't think so.
0: Um, simply losing to a, a team, t- the same team twice, I think says a lot about what your playoff chances should be. And, yeah, I mean, had they lost by the same margin of the first defeat, it definitely does change things. I just think you described it perfectly. The the, What Adazio was selling maybe isn't the perfect comp. The perfect comp is Michigan. The perfect comp is Georgia. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are returning. This has kind of been the, after... I don't know, two decades of spread football, just modifying and completely taking over college football and the big 12 suddenly being at the forefront of like the defensive revolution. And um, now we've got that pushback where it's like, well, we're actually just gonna outrun you and play big boy football. And you forgot how to play in the trenches. And it's what I've talked talked about for years of the the Ohio State identity changing from Ryan Day to Urban Meyer um, and then becoming kind of just a, a spread program. And you really saw it. And it's Lincoln Riley all over again. This is Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley teams all over again. I can't believe Alex Grinch writes the D.C. Yeah. who was like a hot commodity the last couple of years. I never understood why, but he was a hot commodity. He goes to USC, gets like, he's one of the highest paid coordinators in the country. And I don't know what people are watching because this guy can't. His defenses are always like top 10 uh, points allowed in the country. And that's that's a pretty easy metric to watch. So going back to your initial question, though, Utah's, Utah's Michigan, Georgia of the West. They can play big boy football. You can't. How could the committee justify Throwing USC in another matchup against a better version of Utah, it'd just be crazy. Um, it, 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 I would think... have been so
1: ugly. Those USC DBs oh. trying to tackle those Georgia running backs—like, could you imagine? I mean, it—it it, it would truly be awful. I just, yeah. I don't get it either, man. I don't get the hype. They don't tackle. They're soft. It, it's just a weird. They, it's not like they don't have athleticism. They have guys that can cover ground. They just don't really seem to have any interest in, you know, getting up in in the the grind of it at all. And, you know, like we said, they, they play bully ball. Nobody else does. And kudos to Utah, man. They stick to their identity because they had a couple of bad losses this year that were frustrating. I mean, starting with that Florida game week one in which they're in position, all you got to do is go to overtime. They force a bad ball. Uh, Cam Rising does into coverage. They turn it over and lose. They end up dropping a heartbreaker in conference play as well. I'm impressed by Utah, man. They're, they're a good team, and I, I'd want no part of them in a, in a bowl game if I was just about anybody in the country.
0: I mean, look, man, Dallas Kincaid, what a, what a game. You've been on um, rising all year and it was really a phenomenal game i I did think caleb williams had some flashes at least from a draft prospect standpoint maybe not heisman which again you've hinted at we'll get into um that were just amazing jordan addison has his moments and then kind of disappears really a nice game for clark phillips um the third gabe reed senior number 91 absolutely takes over that game two sacks Three tackles for a loss. Um, Really just gobbled them up. We got to eat some crow. We talked about maybe uh, USC being the second best O-line in the country. No, sir. No, sir. That's uh, incorrect. It's uh, like Georgia, at least, is way better than those guys. From a prospect standpoint, Ohio State's way better than those guys. They just got their ass kicked. Not end-to-end. But once Utah figured something out in the second quarter, and this is college football, Justin, this is kind of almost a problem with these playoffs is the second that dream kind of vanishes, we're not in the playoffs, we're not. Sometimes the, the balloon just pops like that, man. And, and, the, you know, and now how many of these guys are going to show up for uh, bowl season? We'll see. We'll see. But um, regardless, Utah's the story here. Kincaid, above all, um, from a draft prospect standpoint, really impressive. Um, rising, he's such really a sleeper impressive.
1: man, yeah. With and I get that Bowers is insane, and I get that Michael Mayer is insane, but somebody's gonna land Kincaid in like the third round, and he's gonna be mm-hmm. just as productive, if not more, as those guys.
0: A hundred percent. And in the end, I'd say it's a a glowing first year for Lincoln Riley at USC.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're back on the map, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they went from being completely dead in the water, not even a factor, for five-plus years, which is insane to think. Like, outside of that Rose Bowl run with Sam Darnold, and even then, that was like a down year, you know, in comparison from what USC was in the early 2000s. They're back in the mix. It's more fun for college football when you have teams in every part of the country that are relevant, and we kind of got that this year. I still think we're probably going to end up with chalk in the title game, but the fact that you had, you know, USC and TCU and the the South is always going to do its thing, and even you know some of those teams in the ACC that were different but interesting, NC State when the injuries weren't piling up, like it was just it was fun to have a lot of different teams. We got a little bit of Syracuse for like a month just to cover the yeah. the New York corner, keep the Northeast interested. They came back to life, but. You know, you gotta throw them a bone every now and then. It was just a, a really intriguing year. It's good to have USC back on the map, but man, yeah. they got to figure it out because if they can't get better in the trenches defensively, they're never gonna win shit.
0: No, they got to figure that out. And I mean, there's there's kind of been a trend that the West isn't producing the same level of high end O linemen that it used to. So they Lincoln Riley might really have to get into Texas, you know, and take advantage of that and. We'll see how the Big Ten and stuff like that factors in, but great year for them. But but still work, and at this point, kind of an identity to shed. And you gotta you gotta be better defensively. That's how Pete Carroll be, built those great Trojan teams. They they had some real dogs on defense, and they're gonna have to get back to that. Um, let's get to TCU. Um, that was speaking a game. of dogs, man, Max yeah. Duggan incredible. Um we could honestly do the entire pod on this game. For a while it looks like it's going to be a route for K-State and um you're giving me live updates of Bama to win the playoffs.
1: It was almost even at one point. When I threw that out, it was plus 6,000. Yep. By the halfway through the third quarter, Bama to make the playoff was plus 15 or to win the national championship was plus yeah. 1500 right. and TC was plus 1400.
0: Yeah, um, no. It, they were high. at some point TCU's odds were longer than Bama's. Yeah, but with the fact that if, regardless of if they get in, you like Bama's chances better than TCU.
1: That's really all it was. Was if Bama could somehow sneak in, then I think they're a more competitive team against a, a Michigan or a Georgia than TCU would be, but. To, you know, TCU's credit, just like they did in the first time. They went down 18 the first time they played Kansas State, found a way to come back and win. They just stuck with it. And I feel like Duggan had his Heisman moment. I mean, he had 90 rushing yards on like a 98-yard drive or 95-yard drive, whatever it was, literally was so exhausted yeah. that they couldn't go to the QB keeper on the two point, and everyone's like, why don't they do that? It's like, cause he just ran 90 yards. He's like yeah, hyperventilating on the sideline.
0: Yeah. It was insane. That entire final drive to tie it all up. He runs, I think for every single yard, positive yard they got on that drive. It's insane. Um, and you know, on the other side, Deuce Vaughn had a, had a spectacular game, but yeah, what Duggan did at the end, I think was the defining Heisman moment we've seen all season. More so than Caleb Williams
1: against Notre Dame, he's just elevated his team and put them on the back in a way that no other player in college football has. And when you look at these other finalists, like I think they have better NFL futures. You know, CJ Stroud, Max Williams. Uh, uh, I'm I'm tying the names here. You know what I'm saying? Stroud and Caleb Williams. I think yes, that they have yes, better NFL futures. Goodness gracious! But that's not what this award is about. The award is who is the most exciting football 100%. player, who is the most electric player in college football, like who elevated their team in a way that nobody else could. Yep. It was Duggan. If Duggan is not this team's quarterback, they are not in the playoff.
0: 100%. Honestly, if I was to rank Heisman moments of the season, and I didn't mean to derail this and make it into the Heisman discussion. It's all right.
1: It's it kind of ties yeah. in nicely. Here we are. <laughs> um, I...
0: And tell me if, if you know how you feel about this. I think it's number one dug in big 12 championship against Kansas State, which is crazy because it's a loss, and we can talk about how that loss comes about. Um, two, I actually think is J.J. McCarthy against Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I
0: agree. And three, I probably give to Caleb Williams against Notre Dame. Or Hendon Hooker against Bama.: Shit, it's Hendon Hooker against Bama. Because no, he lit them right.
1: up in a, in a game in which the entire country was watching. And, and you could say the no, same thing 100%. for Hyatt. He had a monster game as well.
0: I, I was going to say Hyatt, I think, is actually 3B to Hooker's 3A. Yeah, That's a great call. That's a great call. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, Taylor Lewis, he, like he's had those amazing moments throughout the season, and Notre Dame kind of culminated that because it was actually a game everyone was keyed in on. But, like, what we just talked about were, like, some heavy moments. And there's probably some Blake Corum, like, Chase Brown games in there that we're not thinking of
1: as well. What about, who's the, uh, who's the Ohio State defensive lineman that had, like, four oh, interceptions oh, against oh. Penn State? Yes,
0: yep, that would be... Because he be pretty much
1: single-handedly one. won them that game. Like, if you... Mm-hmm. Penn State was moving like it was going back and forth. Ohio State was on the rails and you take away those massive momentum plays and Ohio State's probably not in the playoffs.
0: You're 100% right. Um and he has a really hard name to pronounce too.
1: So y'all <laughs> know, know who like, we're talking about. We're not yes. going to embarrass ourselves on yes, this one.
0: Absolutely. Um Yeah, Chase Brown for Illinois had some moments like that. Zach Sharmanay um would probably has a game there in the top 10. I mean, Jameer Gibbs might
1: have. Gibbs definitely had a couple. I mean, his, he went off against Ole Miss and and some of those early SEC wins. He had a couple of insane touchdowns, but yeah, I I think the biggest moments of the year were, were Duggan. I mean, he did it multiple times, like to beat Baylor. He was huge to beat TCU. He was huge. I mean, he didn't have the the moments in that win over Texas, but he played really well. That one was yep. more about TCU's uh, defensive success than anything. But he just time after time, like when the game was in the crunch time, when it was the fourth quarter, when they desperately needed a drive, he he made it happen every single time. You know, I, I know they ended up losing in overtime, but it, it's really kind of tough to fault him. Like, yeah, he needed he needed the ball one more time. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I think you're right. Like, how many times did the college football viewer tune in to like a tight end of the game and Max Duggan just pulls it out, pulls it out once again, you know? So he had all those close finishes. He had some dominant performances. It was kind of Tebow esque. it's, It's a full resume. Yeah. And his, he throws a very like, Old Peyton Manning type ball, like it gets to the right place. It kind feels like out. it's in the
1: air forever.
0: <laughs> it comes out a little slow and looks real feathery, um, but it gets where it needs to be. So he's an he, interesting. He plays prospect. with
1: emotion too, and the theatrics of it definitely factor into the Heisman conversation. Yeah, the we like tears about. on the sideline. <laughs> Literally running himself to a point where he looked like yeah. he needed to be put on an oxygen mask and an IV. Like yeah. the voters eat that stuff up. It was basic, not technically a standalone game, but basically, I mean, as far as college football goes, that's as little, you know, viewership competition as you're going to have a 10 a.m. Saturday a game for championship weekend. I, I just think. There's no way he doesn't win it after this. TCU is the fun story of the year. He has the biggest moments. I mean, if you want to say like the best quarterback, it's probably Caleb Williams, but that's not what this award was supposed to be.
0: No, No, not in the slightest. Um, And he's going to be a really interesting prospect this year. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Because, I mean, just looking at it, That's profile right now. Just his profile picture. He looks so much like Chad Pennington. (laughs) He really has a Chad Pennington quality to him. Um, That's crazy. On the other side, man, I doubt he declares. I hope he doesn't. Will Howard's kind of changed this K-State team.
1: It was a situation where Martinez went down, and initially you thought, oh, man, there goes their season. And in hindsight, he elevated that offense it made them much more versatile because he he's not quite the runner that Martinez is, but he still brings that capability. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they have an, a, the ability to consistently stretch the field. And when you start stacking the box against, you know, Deuce Vaughn, you're trying to contain them near the line of a scrimmage. Now all of a sudden they're going play action over the top and they have that quick strike ability. And time and time again, we talked about that in college football, the ability to just throw points on the board in a hurry. It's what's made Ohio State so dangerous these last couple years. Alabama was that way when they had all those wide receivers. It's like, you can stop them, you can stop them, we're stopping the run, we're feeling good. Oh, shit, they just had an 85-yard touchdown pass over the top. We didn't see that one coming.
0: I mean, Will Howard, man, he's coming. Uh, He's like, K-State's going to be dangerous next year. He's 6'5", 235, what you just described is very intriguing, especially from an NFL perspective where everyone's just dreaming on the next Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. You know, like a guy who's got the tools, maybe hasn't put it all together, but you believe that with a a couple years of grooming and adapting the offense, we can get there. Um, And again, that 2024 quarterback class led by Caleb Williams with guys like J.J. McCarthy and even um, Will Howard is
1: extremely intriguing. NFL GMs a lot like women in their twenties. They love a good project.
0: <laughs> Absolutely well. Wow, what an analogy. Um, I, I'm I'm guessing it takes one to know one. About the <laughs> exactly. Project, but, um, yeah. So so true. So true. And as always, we are the same way. We we always the grass is always greener. So the next quarterback class is always going to look more intriguing. Let's hit up some of the other. Um, games that happen in championship weekend after this of course justin got his wallet flush on all his his sharp week of sharp weeks at DraftKings sportsbook the leader the king of sportsbooks this holiday they're hooking you right up use that code dnvr and new customers can bet just five dollars on any nfl team to win their game and get 150 dollars in free bets if they do and everyone's getting hooked up with 100% boost on the draft game stepped up same game parlays we've got world cup bets we've got college hoops college footballs entering that bowl season you know you love uh sitting on the couch hanging out with the fam having some action on some random potato bowl on the 23rd, you know,
1: 230 Tuesday football. Love it. Right.
0: Oh, it's, it's the best. And DraftKings Sportsbook makes it all worth your while. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that code DNVR. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DNVR, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
1: There is no better way to watch football than having DraftKings Sportsbook pulled up, hitting all those big bets. But you've got to have in your other hand an ice-cold Breck brew. They've got a beer for any occasion. They're Colorado to their core. We love them. They make everything with 100% renewable energy. And what's cool is if you need a Christmas idea for your favorite beer lover in your life, you can go to Breck's Nice List Sweepstakes at breckbrew.com. Search the nice list. Boom. You're going to find the perfect gift for the beer lover in your life. I love Christmas ale. Tis the season. You can get the little mini keg at the grocery store. Feels festive. It looks cool. I mean, you're, you're drinking and you're improving the vibes and, and, and decor all at the same time. Multiple birds with one stone. Gotta love that. Nice. I love Slinger. Extremely crushable if you're out on the mountain and you know maybe it's it's lunchtime you got the turkey sandwich out got the fun slinger so refreshing spectacular check out the breck beer locator go to breckbrew.com find the closest brew near you you will not be disappointed
0: nicely done nicely done um let's move on to the sec i mean we could wax poetic about like a million georgia prospects here um stenson bennett earns a trip to the uh to new york as a heisman finalist
1: we maybe by know. default i don't know you know what i mean like I, I don't have beef with it i saw a lot of people online throwing a fit and i kind of was just like all right well who should go over him then and i think you could maybe make an argument for hendon hooker yeah i think you could maybe make an argument for blake quorum
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's like if we're like you know arguing semantics over the fourth guy it's he's not going to win.
0: Oh and honestly I think Strout is the bigger finalist I have issue with. I feel like the Heisman finalists got too caught up in like oh he was the betting favorite almost by default all season and aren't paying attention to the two weeks when these Heisman races are won or lost that like I I would have been better with Blake Corum or JJ McCarthy or someone like that even. Um over Stroud. Bennett just didn't have the Heisman moment, but the way he's run that offense is uh cannot be argued with. And I think he's even gonna have some low-key like NFL Bucks, man.
1: A coach loves a, a quarterback they can trust, and that is Stetson Bennett. Yeah. He's not yeah. gonna try and do too much. Um, you know, sneaky athletic, I think his his ability to move, maneuver around the pocket and avoid the pass rush is slept on. Not the biggest arm in the world, but he's accurate. The ball gets where it needs to go. And he's just playing really good football. I mean, Georgia in general, I had said I felt like they had kind of been in cruise control. Yeah. I would argue the same even for this one. I know they ended up giving up 30 points and kind of screwed a lot of people's bets there. But I mean, it's 35 to 10 at halftime. And it's just kind of what they do. Like is in a position where they know that defensively, like once they get to a certain spot, like we can just coast from here. And that's kind of what they did. That said, I mean, it's got to give you some encouragement if you're these other teams in the playoff. Like mm-hmm. I mean, if LSU with a hobbled Daniels can throw up thirty on the board, maybe we' right. got a shot if we can just, you know, stop George's offense.
0: Well, I don't think it's the same defense as last year. You know, it definitely has some studs, but it's not like a generational defensive line that it's just like shit. You can't even snap the ball against these guys. Um, on the other side, though, offensively, I think they're a much more fine tuned, destructive machine. What they can do with those multiple tight end sets um, are absolutely devastating. Uh, Bowers and Darnell Washington have been just studs. Lad McConkie, who, you know, everyone's fallen over themselves making jokes about, like, oh, the Patriots will draft him in a year, um, you know, is a, is a factor in, like, that backfield. They can plug and play anyone, and they're just, like, absolutely dominant forces. It doesn't matter. Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Deshaun Edwards, they just do what they want, and Stenson Bennett's in full control That is one of the top offensive lines in the country. It's not just Broderick Jones. It's one of the top centers in the country as well. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're an impossible matchup, man.
1: I did see that uh, Kayshawn Bute is going to come back for another year with LSU. Going to run it back with Brian Kelly.
0: Interesting. Because he seemed very frustrated um, from this season.
1: So I wonder if that uh, that LSU collective came to him with a restructured contract, if <laughs> you will, in the uh, the NIL world. How about how about a mill? How will that help you stick around? Let's add that to whatever else you're already getting.
0: I mean, it's a nice way to patch up hurt feelings in the modern college football game.
1: Somebody wrote me a check for a million dollars. It sure would cover uh, a lot of things. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I could get over a lot of things pretty quickly.
0: Um. I'll take a I'll take a victory lap on this one. I called the Big Ten championship to a t tight early breaks wide open in the second half. Happens exactly like that. You and Jake jumped in at like Michigan minus seven and a half. You got that?
1: You yeah, got I got like minus six and a half, board. and then I took it again at minus seven and a half. Then I took it again at like minus nine. I was just like, they're gonna break this game open, huh. and they did.
0: Yeah, it was great. Um Donovan Edwards is a beast and that defense is really good.
1: This Michigan team is tough, man. I mean, you've heard all the reports about like them like being intense on the sideline. I think it was Bruce Feldman on Fox kind of talking about how like they're literally standing there. This was before it was even a blowout and just being like, "Oh, they're going to break. Like we can feel this coming. Like we're wearing on them. We're about to break these guys." And that's what they do. They just they play volleyball, they play with a sense of confidence. I think you, you nailed it earlier when you talked about, you know, they're a lot like Utah, they're a lot like Georgia. They just smother you, and eventually it's just too much. They're they're stronger than you, they're bigger than you, and they're deeper than you.
0: I mean, just remember what Harbaugh's Stanford teams were doing to Pete Carroll's USC teams at the end of that era. Like how, you know, he who was. He was coming, pointing the finger. They were laying it on him, like it's worked before, and it keeps on working. It is bully ball to its finest, and I think there are two truly. You know, it's another of those years where I'm like, do we really need any playoffs whatsoever? This feels like we could have settled it in the old BCS. There are clearly two top teams, and then it's kind of the best of the rest.
1: As excited as I am for the expanded playoff, just because it makes it more relevant for these these other teams. When you start looking at these, I mean, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it's it's a substantial, substantial gap. And maybe some crazy upsets happen. Like it's just like March Madness. It's why you play the games. Like if you're the best team, you should be able to survive this gauntlet. Mm -hmm. but we're going to end up with some fluky stuff because of it. And we're also probably going to end up with some unnecessary games where like teams like Georgia and Michigan have to hang 60 on somebody in another round, but that's all right. Cause more college football is always going to be okay with me. And I like watching this Michigan team. They're really fun. I'm curious. Do you see any path forward in which we get that Michigan Ohio state rematch in the Natty? can Ohio state take on Georgia and we don't have to go like way in depth on this because we're going to preview the hell out of this game in the coming weeks but what does your gut say right now you know two and a half weeks out or whatever it is yeah i think there's like a one out of ten
0: chance i think there's like a 10 out of 100 chance that ohio state could pull the upset off they've got enough talent to wear like marvin harrison and um you know cj stroud and that The tackles they have just play out of their mind. They get up early. All of a sudden the O-lines, you know, their defensive line, which absolutely has some studs on it, can pin their ears back for some turnovers and you kind of break the game open and you make enough plays to do it. Like there's enough talent on that Ohio State team to where it could happen. It's not likely. I haven't seen what the line is. I imagine they're.
1: Got to be double digits, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be my guess. Um, But I mean, look, there is a lot of talent on that team, and Ryan Day, for all the kind of absurd criticism he's receiving, um, has a proven track record as a.
1: Believe he's forty-five and five or something like that. I mean, it's
0: yeah, and I mean, a very good offensive mind and schemer, (laughs) like you know, and, and there's talent. There's like legit high, high end. Allen on that team. No, Georgia just six and a half. Ohio State plus
1: 220. I would jump on that six and a half. And I think that's going to be larger when we get closer.
0: So even the books telling you like, yeah,
1: there's a we chance. We can see it. There's yeah. a chance. Um, so there you go. Um, it Heisman-
0: is surprising
1: to me that Georgia, for some reason, you know, we kept talking about every week. Why is Alabama favored by 22 every week? And then sometimes I would look at these Georgia spreads and it would only be like 14, 15 and I'm just like I what are why are you not giving Georgia the you know same benefit of the doubt as some of the, these other teams especially with what they're doing offensively.
0: Georgia really their problem was they had those two massive blowouts of Oregon and South Carolina to start the season. And then had two close ones, quote unquote, with Kent State and Missouri, which was the actual only close one of the season. And then I think the book kind of got shot. And they were just a hard number to to figure out there.
1: That's fair. It's just been interesting to me. I feel like there's been a lot of value on Georgia this last month of them just kind of being doubted. And again, though, I mean, I've I've been pretty consistent with my message that I think they've been on cruise control and even still have not seen like the full capability of what this Georgia team can be.
0: No, I agree. I think a lot of people feel that way, especially defensively, where it's like, we've seen glimpses. Uh, will we see it when they put it all together? I'm looking up their record against the spread, because this is the kind of stuff that interests
1: me. I'm going to guess, including the SEC championship, uh-huh. they were 11-2 and against the spread this year. 7-6. and six. Not even close. Not even in the ballpark. Well, there's my answer. That's why. That's why they're not getting these massive spreads.
0: One eleven and two team in all of FBS. Care to guess? It's a G5 stud team.
1: Eleven and two. Was it Tulane? Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense.
0: Tulane. Hawaii and was
1: actually pretty good against the spread this year too. Nine and four. Yep.
0: Yep. The only double-digit teams against the spread were Tulane, Oregon State ten and two, Troy ten and three.
1: Of course. And I had significant money on both of the times Oregon State failed to cover. <laughs> I
0: know. I know. <laughs> it feels to me like they weren't good against the spread. I was at gonna all say that my perception
1: was like Oregon State has yep. screwed us this yep. year, but it's just cause I was in on the two. A hundred percent.
0: Um so does Ohio State deserve to get in? We went over that. You you agree with my assessment?
1: You had two times to beat Utah. You couldn't do it. I yeah. do think there is a fair argument that teams should not uh, be hurt by playing on championship Saturday and another team should not be able to benefit by sitting yeah. at home. I do think yeah. that's a fair gripe. But it's an imperfect process. And it's not just this one weekend. It's a totality. Like I said, if Maybe that was their only loss to Utah, maybe, but
0: right. you had
1: two opportunities to beat them and you couldn't do it either time. So you're not going to be in, you know, get better defensively. You had a shot. Mm-hmm. I just think sometimes we frame these narratives as if like, it's just this one weekend and it's like, okay, well, we, are we ignoring 12 weeks of work? Cause this, this all factored into the equation right. as well. Right. Right. No,
0: it's a great point. Um my biggest gripe on these final rankings would be that Tennessee's behind Bama. I think the head to head must it should matter. count
1: more. I'm not surprised like I like I said, I thought that Bama had a chance to get in, and based on the the rankings week before, I think the committee made it clear what they thought. but while I do think that sometimes the worst team or like the less talented team can win, I don't think necessarily the team that wins is "Quote unquote," better than their opponent. Sports are simple in the sense of we played. There was an outcome that should be the first tiebreaker. You look at like did these two teams play? If all, if everything else is even, these two teams played. They beat them. They should be ahead. And I'm a Bama guy saying that.
0: Hundred percent. And then there's the other factor of like it's just the nature of college football. Losing later is going to hurt you more than losing early. Yeah. Um, who, how many teams get the buys in the new 12-team format?
1: Four, I think. I think the first four.
0: Okay. So then you'd have Bama-Washington, which we've seen Playback. that before in the playoffs. Yeah. Could yeah. Um, be great to see Penix there. Tennessee-Penn State, very nice matchup.
1: That's a fun game.
0: Clemson-USC, there would be so much money on the Trojans in that one so much money um and i mean that d-line could cook usc but that defense for clemson has been way more prone to giving up points than we ever would have imagined and then the final matchup um would be utah kansas state which
1: is that'd be amazing that'd That'd be the most fun game that we could get
0: but that's i we should have like a meat and potatoes bowl where like only teams like that only some good old fashioned grinded out squads um can can play in because that one would be beautiful um and then from that i guess we'd get we'd get our matchups huh it'd be i mean those sound like good enough games to where i definitely
1: they're all intriguing like when you When you hear all those games, do I think, oh, like these are going to have massive implications on who ultimately ends up winning the national title? Probably not. I still think those top four are, you know, quite a bit better, but the possibility arises, you know, Bama finds itself, they beat Washington, all of a sudden, you know, the second round, they're matched up and have an opportunity. You know, it's just, it it makes it a lot more interesting, I, I think. Like, even if I don't foresee it, really changing a ton in the end in terms of like the chalky teams the best programs the squads with the most resources most money still winning most consistently at least in theory you have an opportunity to compete for a national championship no matter what conference you are in which is not the case right now I mean I know Cincinnati finally got in but we have seen multiple instances in which someone ran the table and didn't even get a shot and it That just feels wrong. Like, again, I I know that all this stuff gets complicated, different levels of competition, strength of schedule, we factor in a million different things. But sometimes it should be simple, like head-to-head. And if a team went undefeated, they should get a chance to compete for the title.
0: I agree completely, but I'm intrigued. And I do think outside of Georgia and maybe Michigan, everyone's beatable. And we could have some really fun runs to the semis or even finals. Um, and my favorite playoffs will always be the first playoffs with that Ohio State team who loses Braxton Miller, their starting quarterback at the very beginning of the season. Uh, JT Barrett, right, comes in, amazing season, gets injured during the Michigan game. And then uh, Chandler Jones comes in and absolutely destroys the Big Ten championship. And oh, then Cardell goes, Jones. Cardell, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, and goes on that insane run in the playoffs where, I mean, we don't talk about it enough, but Zeke Elliott was a freak and Joey Bosa was just like destroying his side of the line. Um, and it was one of those all time runs. And like, Bama could put an all time run like that together. Tennessee. Maybe Clemson, maybe like it'd be, it'd be fun. It's kind of a second season, which seems savage, but at least these we're paying these players now. So.
1: That's what I mean. Like if you're in the playoff, you're, you've got nil. you know, you're getting, you're getting hooked up. And at the very, at the very minimum we make, you know, the new year's six bowls a lot more relevant again, because Mm -hmm. outside of the college football junkies like us, for the most part, people don't really care about these games anymore. Even the people that, like, follow college football and are maybe, yeah. like, into it. You know, I think at this point, even Saban said it. Like, the the rest of them have kind of been diluted. So this, it makes a, a more interesting product for more college football fans. And I think yeah. that's fun. A ton more premier
0: matchups. Like, you used yeah. to only get two tapes like this of, like... A guy at Penn State going against Michigan, going against Ohio State. Now you'll get at least another one, and if they win a couple games, you'll get several, um, and that'll be huge in in the evaluation. I wonder if like March Madness will start to have like playoff darlings. You know, like if Gabe Reed, after that big Pac-12 championship game, then has another big uh, playoff game against Kent State, and maybe plays well in a loss to like Bama or Ohio State. All of a sudden his stocks flying through the roof. The dude only had like three sacks during the regular season, you know, like um it'll be interesting from from all perspectives for sure.
1: Can you see a scenario in which they potentially eliminate conference championship games? I I, I could see an argument that they're maybe not necessary in this format that you have 12 games to determine who are the best 12 teams.
0: That'll be tricky. Um, I could definitely, you know, it's all about like once the first Power Five conference does it, to give themselves a chance of having their best team higher rank than their second best team, like have a better shot of making it in, then everyone will follow suit. What the first change that seems to be coming is everyone abolishing divisions.
1: Which they which, should anyways. Like why is the Big Ten still I like Purdue is frisky, but like are we know, really? But-
0: like, we're just going to play Ohio State-Michigan back-to-back weeks every single year now? Like, that's what's going to well, happen. The regular
1: the, the cycle of the schedule would change altogether because you would get more of those, like, the, you know, like Iowa-type stuff, Wisconsin. Some of those would play more in the regular season. Um, but yeah, I mean, oftentimes, but I mean, you could make the same argument that there was a five-year stretch where it felt like it was going to be you know, Florida and Bama, and now it it felt like it was going to be Bama and Georgia. And every year, Utah feels like they're going to be in the Pac-12 title game. Like, Boise makes it every year in the Mountain West. It's not not like it's that uncommon.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And then it'll be weird where it feels like, oh, number one, Georgia just played number three Bama in the SEC championship, and... Now they're 1-6 and going into the playoffs and everything's setting up for another matchup in the semi, you know, or Ohio State-Michigan playing for a third time, you know. So it's going to change the landscape completely.
1: Well, and you think back to, like, you know, a 2007 Boise State. Like, what would that have been like if that game against Oklahoma and the Fiesta Bowl had counted towards the playoffs? All of a sudden they have all this momentum. Fresno State with Jake Hayner last year, like that was a team that you know went toe to toe with Oregon on the road. They beat UCLA. They you know competed well against USC in the Coliseum. Like those are the type of teams that I think it, it it just becomes fun to see. Like at least if you have a truly special season, you have like a Jake Hayner type player. If, you know we got a shot. You know maybe we can do something crazy. I I just think it would be fun. Like if you were a Buffs fan in 2016, you would have been in the playoffs. There were been multiple times huh. where CSU and CU finished in the top 12, even since 2000, It hasn't been that long. So like it just it gives a lot more people hope. And I think that's ultimately what makes me most excited.
0: The final McIlwain year where they lose to Nate Orchards, Utah in that bowl, Would did they come into that bull game ranked in the top twelve?
1: No, not 2014. For CSU, you'd have to go back to like 2000 and 2002 I believe um crazy. they cracked the top 12 I don't know if they finished in the top 12 but they cracked the top 12 um, yeah and
0: even 2016 if you look at the buffs they end up 17th at 10 and 4 but you're right that coming out of the Pac-12 championship like Oklahoma State who they lost to in that Alamo Bowl is 11th I think they were in the top 12 so yeah, that's I think crazy.
1: they were yeah
0: that's crazy Um wild. Wow. It's kind of the end of an era, man. It's it's uh, one more year. It's all year.
1: changing fast, but I mean, it's evolve or die. That's sports.
0: Yep. 100%. Army-Navy?
1: I like Army. I think they're the better defense, and in a matchup where familiarity is huge, give me the better defense. They damn near beat Air Force. Air Force had the most explosive offense of these three by far. They were able to hang around. Um I just think, you know, like Navy against most teams, they can actually be pretty explosive, but not against Army. It's just not happening. And the fact that you can get plus two and a half at plus 100, I love that because you don't even have to take them to win. You give yourself a little bit of leeway and you're still getting it at plus money.
0: And, of course, the under a pick Justin's been on for a couple of weeks now. And on Army, watch Andre Carter the second, a versatile, really long Edge rusher, maybe a bit stiff, but um boy he does he a lot He takes over
1: though. Like when yeah. he gets going, he's a guy that can really disrupt what the opposing offense is trying to do, both in the run and as a pass rusher.
0: And we'll be in that range like late first, early second, where the Broncos might be drafting. So you never know. Um Wow. Always a pleasure, Justin. Appreciate you, man. We will talk soon. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you to DraftKings for presenting the pod. Check all of Justin's stuff out at the MVR ramps. Check all of Jake's stuff out. The MVR bus. We will be back.